the greatest illusion for creatives is that everything must be perfect. Yes. Hello everyone. Today we have Donna here. Donna, uh, sorry, I need to do the intro first. Do la. <laughs> Hello everyone. Welcome to my podcast. Uh, my co- podcast. <laughs> Hello everyone. Welcome to my podcast. <laughs> I will need to re-edit this again. Hello everyone. Welcome to my podcast, HDFU podcast series. My podcast series is all about Singapore creative, and today we have Donna here talking about mental health for creatives. So every episode, I have conversation with folks in the creative industry and gain insights about their life and their career being a creative. So my friend here, Donna, and maybe my sister from another timeline, <laughs> we're going to have a deep conversation about mental health for creatives and how to manage them. So we are right now on IG Live, and we shall answer any questions after the podcast recording. Hello, Donna. Welcome to my show. Can Thank you tell us more you about for yourself? Me. Um, and how it lead you to become a life coach also? Oh. Okay. Mm. Um, I used to write freelance. I used to enjoy it a lot because um, I write better than I speak, mm-hmm. and I've always loved writing mm-hmm. as a way of expressing myself. Mm-hmm. Um, how I became a life coach mm-hmm. is actually through you. Through me. Yeah. Why I me? saw you posting like this uh, little podcast. Mm-hmm. And what you learned from it. And I was quite curious, so I actually went to click on it. Mm-hmm. Then I heard um, one of the episodes, I think it was about saying goodbye to things that are not mm-hmm. serving us anymore. Mm-hmm. And I was actually quite mind-blown by it. So I continued listening. Mm-hmm. And then I went to find Dan mm-hmm. to be my own life coach, mm-hmm. which helped me a lot. Uh, in my personal development journey. Mm-hmm. And actually, I wasn't intending to take the life coach certification at mm-hmm. all. Mm-hmm. I know when you told me um, you were doing it, I was asking you more about the magic room. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But after speaking to Dan, I realized that, hey, may- uh, maybe there are actually things that I can learn for myself. Mm. Um not necessarily to become a coach, but mm. to manage my own emotions, my thoughts, and mm-hmm. basically to become happier. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so after TMR, just nice, the course was starting, so I decided to just uh, go ahead with the it. TMR, the one-to-one? Yeah, the one-to-one. It ended just before SCA. Mm. So um, Dan told me a little bit, on our last session, what it's going to be like. And he said, basically, it's the perfect time to, to do it. Mm-hmm. Which I agree. I think it ended up being one of the best decisions that I made for myself. Mm-hmm. Which is to invest in yourself. Okay. Right. Okay, because um, I am from a creative industry, right? So, yes. I see many burnouts in my industry. Right. So, in fact, some of my friends already changed industry from graphic designer to maybe selling insurance. So, completely unrelated? To yeah, completely unrelated because some of them think that they cannot manage the um, stress. And uh, how do you think you can manage burnouts as a person who use the left brain so often? I think burnouts happen to everyone, not just creatives. But mm. if you... Do what you love for a living. It mm. can be both like 
a blessing as well as a double-edged sword. Mm-hmm. Like, for example, you like a specific style of creating, let's say, your work, your, your websites or your art. But if you're just like one person in a large firm, you don't have a lot of say in the direction your creative work goes. Mm-hmm. So in that sense, uh, if you feel a lack of control and recognition or you don't like the task that you're given, mm-hmm. like you expect to... Um, be able to create to do it your way but that's not the way they want it mm-hmm. because that's how large organizations are mm-hmm. and then you have to do things that you don't like over and over again mm-hmm. which um, and then there's pressure to produce new work better work mm-hmm. your well-being will tend to take a back seat at a time mm-hmm. especially for those people who have also high expectations of themselves mm-hmm. So um, I think having an action plan or strategy to find your way back to why your creativity was your passion in the first place Mm -hmm. and that remembering the joy that it brought you can Mm -hmm. help. And of course, um, there's some things like being more present, being grateful, doing mindfulness, exercising... Mm -hmm such um like simple self-care can Mm -hmm. help a little bit with the burnout Mm -hmm. yeah but at which stage does depression happen when does depression happen for a creative let's say like let's say for i mean for me personally it did happen to me before that uh um i have this kind of suicidal thoughts especially about work, finding work and all that. There was a time that I, w- I was feeling very down. And after that, when I got into a new job, I was like feeling depressed or so. So I don't know how to manage all these feelings. So I just want to know like when does it identify as depression? What are the signs? I guess a lack of interest in things that you normally would like to do. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I'm not a trained psychiatrist or psychologist but Mm. I do have my own experience with depression so Mm -hmm. um, I felt very hopeless I was going round and round going nowhere Mm -hmm. Um, but if there is a trigger I think the question to ask yourself is why am I feeling this way is it because I have too much work is my schedule too demanding Mm -hmm. or do I not like the type of work that I'm doing? Is mm-hmm. my job so misaligned from mm. what I like to do that it's causing me to be depressed? Mm-hmm. Then in that case, is it worth staying at your job mm. to to the detriment of your mental health? Or should you seek other options? Mm-hmm. But for you, what did it lead to your depression? For me, it's a chemical thing, so that isn't really a trigger. Although mm. it first started as a toxic relationship, mm-hmm. I think for a creative, it's also important not to feel shame if there's like a creative block or you can't seem to get out mm. the work that you want. Mm. Um, like for creative, sometimes it becomes your identity. Mm-hmm. Um, like I'm a creative, then why can't I create? Is there something wrong with me? Um, but then again, creativity is like a muscle. Mm. And like any other muscle, it can be overworked. 
Mm, yes. So if you overwork it, it's just not going to function mm. at a high performance, mm. let's say. Or if you get stuck. But let's say if you decide to take a break, like you decide to take the night off instead of working all night on a project. Mm. The next day, you might get a brilliant idea. Mm. Or you just take a week off to relax and not think about work. Mm. So we need to uh, rest and recharge also. Mm. sometimes before and don't keep pushing at it because the more you push sometimes the less you get also mm. Mm. I believe that um, there's always another job out there so when I think that it, when it's time to leave we can leave that job because there are always other better jobs out there not just this certain job I think a lot of people feel like they don't have options like no choice. Yeah, that, yeah, that, yeah, yeah. That's a typical uh, response that I hear. Like, why do you stay at this job? Oh, I have no choice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the thing is, um, we always have a choice. We always have a choice. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think that's the important thing to remember that it's all our choices that have led us to where we are. Because mm. there's only so much blame you can blame on your job or whatever. But you can always decide to get out of it, do something else, try something else. Mm. So there's always another way. Mm. I had a conversation just now with my friend, ex-colleague. He was telling me about the architects burning out right. and they refuse to leave because they want to see certain projects to be done, completed. And, you know, for architects, the project is not, it cannot be done in two years yep. or six months. It's like five, six years. That's right. Like, at, for example, in an airport and a hospital, how many years going to finish? So a lot of them hung on, hanging on, I mean, even right now, right. to finish the job. But in their heart, that they don't really like it. Right. So the conversation went like, mm, can they find other places that can complete that other job? I mean, I, I for me, I think it's the, they're, they're chasing a sense of, satisfaction that feeling right when they finish this certain project oh it's done by me but then again if you don't quit if you choose to suffer there it's their own choice la. I would think that the way and I also say that um, having to find this sense of accomplishment right. you can find it elsewhere not just at that place where you you had to work night and day for it yes for sure um, I think some companies have really unhealthy work culture where for example like you said um, there's meetings at all times and they expect you to reply emails at all times of the day on yeah. weekends I have messages like 8pm who's gonna help me tonight I'm like fuck la fucking self-entitled <laughs> <laughs> who's gonna help you you're gonna help yourself yeah and, and it's like I, the thing okay the thing about this kind of working culture is that the other staff has been feeding them. So they take it for granted. So if any new stuff comes, the the, the it, it's a toxic cycle. Right. Yeah, it won't go away. Unless someone like high up there tell you tell them hey, you don't touch the stuff after six. It's usually a very ingrained culture, so it's hard to step out of it like if you're just by yourself. Mm. Because it's an entire workplace situation that you are in. So the only locus of control is yourself. Mm. Mm. And I guess it reached a point where you ask yourself at what cost, and mm. then when do you want to step out? Mm-hmm. So it has it has been haunting me about this 
um, Teams message notification whenever I hear the sound, I'm like, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god. What do you just silent your phone? Okay, I, I have this very good method. If you have an iPhone, you set your... Do not disturb. Yeah, do not disturb. And it can go by location. Oh, really? Yeah, it can go by location. So it can detect if, let's say, you are at Bukit Banjang or Queenstown or whatever, you na- rename that label- labeling as home. Right. So when you reach there, you will just block all the notification. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. I always thought it went by time only. You, you can do it time also. So because it, it's like, it makes sense. What? If I'm not away from the table, means I cannot respond to you because I'm really not away the Teams mess apps is not like embedded to my my body. No, right. I have to be at some gadget, right? Right. So sometimes I if I'm off from the office, if I don't reply, means I don't reply, lor. Yeah. Is anyone dying? No. Then no there's la, no so need so to no reply. La, so la, no la. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Does awards and work define you as a person in the creative industry? That's the question I want to ask. Okay, for I'll speak first, huh? mm. For me, in my younger days. Yep. Yes. I need this. I need to be nominated. I need to win at least a bronze to be recognized in this industry. Um, yeah, especially in the creative industry, I can imagine that mm. awards carry a huge, um, a huge amount of validation. Mm. Um, there's no doubt that awards can make you feel great. It's an encouragement. It's a celebration. It's an inspiration for everyone. Mm. Um, it's also a good way to get exposure and for companies to see like who's the best in their field to get recruitment. Mm. Um, and it does have the purpose of proving to some point that you are producing the best work in your field. Mm-hmm. But to whether it defines you, I think that's a very dangerous path to go down on because mm-hmm. like you are so much more than the sum of your work. Mm. Like, or how much you make, for example, like too much emphasis on awards and portfolios. An award is very subjective. Um, And there are many external factors, like what determines the award? Mm -hmm. Is it how big your agency is? Mm -hmm. Um, Is it how many people you know? Like who do you know in the industry? Mm -hmm. Is it nominated by your friends? Um, so all these things, not necessarily the best work gets the best award. Mm-hmm. Uh, it can be misleading. So, but I get that it's an ingrained sort of culture, especially in Singapore, that you must achieve something before you are deemed to be worthy or yes, mm. you are creative because you have made your mark. But perhaps another thought that I could leave you with is maybe redefine your success as a creative into does your work make uh, someone feel something? Mm -hmm. Does it have an impact on someone Mm -hmm. or a cause? Mm -hmm. For example, like um, some pieces of art can induce very powerful emotions. Um, Some artists create work after they die like the ripples to go on, right? Mm. And some never even got famous, never even were famous when they were alive until they died. Mm. So does that mean that their work is less um, great 
Mm-hmm. Not really, right? Uh, if they didn't win any awards, but only after they died, does it mean that their work is less? Mm. Um, so actually, I think no. It can be a, a nice thing to have, but mm. um, a successful creative cannot just be measured in terms of a piece of metal or a piece of paper or... Mm. Um, perhaps you should measure is progress, how much progress you made for yourself since where you started from. Mm. To find the joy of doing... Yeah, to see how far you have come Mm -hmm. as a creative, Mm -hmm. whether your work had an impact on someone, even Mm. though it didn't win an award, but maybe it... it, um, brought light to this specific cause like let's say some mm. disability or some sustainability cause mm. that has more far more reaching consequences mm. and touching people rather than oh you win an award and it's gonna sit on your wall and you feel great about it for a while but then after that what happens Yeah, you can't think, bring it with yeah. you when because, you die yeah correct because a lot, a lot of them also think that um if I don't mean something, I'm not good enough. But the thing is, you have like 20, 30 more years to go in this um, creative industry, which yeah. you can do so many, many other things within this keyword creative. It's not just like doing like um, design or what. you. There are other things. I mean, last time for my time, uh, there's no UX UI, but now there's UX UI, there's content creator, there's... Right. You can even learn filmmaking through YouTube already. Yes, you can learn anything from YouTube actually. Yeah, so a lot of them will think that uh, I want to do some certain, I want to go by certain route and certain path, but I need to win something. I need to be good. Not not even just winning awards. I need to be recognized somewhere by uh, maybe a creative director to to go and climb up the ladder or what. But the thing is, end of the day, if you don't win, then you don't win. Uh. I mean, you, there are so many things you can try out, not just this. For me, myself, mm. I've never won a award. I, I've been nominated a long time ago. That's only one. But after that, I'm stuck away. Right. Yeah, but of course, I, to me, I fuck it. Uh. It's, it's no, no big deal. And then in, throughout my entire career, I also made a lot of mistakes. Right. Yeah, I've made <laughs> silly mistakes like... Use the wrong logo la that kind of stuff. <laughs> Very stupid, right? It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I really make mistakes in a way that um misprint or what. Of course I, I do apologize for my mistake because uh that I really, really in sense of a corporate world I need to apologize because that is a pure mistake. There's no excuse for it. But I don't beat myself. Yeah, don't beat yourself up. For uh, it. And I, I don't really give up. Just part of being human, right? Yeah. I think the important thing is that even as a creative, there are many ways to be creative. Yeah, you don't yeah, just yeah. have to stick to one way or one form. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I remember I, when I apologized, I was working in a Japanese mag- magazine publishing firm. So everyone speaks Japanese. And then you know Japanese, they want to do things formally. When I had right. to make a phone call, a tariff conference with the Japanese sales. And he was speaking Japanese. Comment aside, comment aside. <laughs> I do. I I thought myself, do I really have to bow? No, well, allow it to, on on the telephone bow. Who will see, right? But the guy bow la, I didn't bow. La, I'm I'm like the fucking Singaporean there. 
that would be what wrong. mistake was that no that that was okay that that mistake was like I okay that was one mistake I will never do again okay uh, there are a lot of pages in the in the magazine right so this client he sent us the artwork so he didn't send any high res PDF he sent the entire working file to okay. be but printed on the magazine so I used the working file with all the link files the link pictures and sway sway ah in the hard disk there was a file which has the same name. So it was a double print? No. So the logo got swapped. Oh. That's the wrong logo. Yes. And it's like, Sui is like, Donna Chu. There's only one Donna Chu. Right? Right. Wow. <laughs> the artwork came, the logo is called Donna Chu. So I'm like, of all things that, and you know who's the client? JCB. Oh. Chao Jibai. No lah, Japanese, the <laughs> Japanese card. <la. laughs> the Japanese credit card. I need to censor that. Right? <laughs> yeah. So, but then again, of course, I apologize lah, but I didn't really feel like super upset about it. I think it's a good thing, like everyone makes mistakes, right? That's why yeah. it is to be human. As long as you learn from it, you move on from it. Yeah. I think a lot of the creatives is also per- perfectionist. Yes, I'm sure they are. Like, yeah. is it good enough to put out? Like, oh, I should have done this. Yeah, yeah. For me, yeah. even my custom shoes. Yeah. The time I spend on doing the touch-up is more time than the actual paint itself. <laughs> I think it's also very hard. Like, you see so many um, talented people out there. It's... You're definitely at one stage compare yourself like mm. uh, why is my art not as nice or why didn't I think of this but what we don't see is what went on behind the scenes to mm. get that work out. Mm. Maybe it took him very 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 long to get there or mm. we didn't see the hard work that went into it. We only see the finished result. Yes. Yeah. And a lot of I think a lot of good ideas are not being churned out because uh, there may be some other Factors like client doesn't like it or no budget, that kind of right. stuff. So it's not really, yes. no, nobody's at fault here. Yeah. Yeah. The greatest illusion for creatives is that everything must be perfect. Yes. That's the greatest illusion. Yeah. yeah. Which is why I think that as a creative, the only, pers- the only yardstick you should measure is, is this piece of work better than the piece of work I did last year? Mm. Then that's a, probably a, a more reasonable yardstick, I would say. Mm-hmm. Like comparing against yourself. Mm-hmm. Of course, it's nice to get inspired by what people do, but you can't compare different people's progress because you don't know where they've been as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But do you think we should speak up to our supervisors and colleagues? Huh? It really depends on their attitude. Mm-hmm. But It can be unhelpful if yeah. they're generally not understanding and it can make things worse for you at work on one hand. Mm-hmm. But if you have understanding colleagues and all that, then of course I think that would be a great mm. um, team to support you. Mm. Yeah. But that's very 50-50. Yeah. 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 I, I mean, I'm not saying here like you don't talk about it. We talk about it, but you have to find someone who you trust. Yeah. Because it, was, it also depends on the office culture, that kind yeah. of stuff. You never know that people will like use it against you, that kind of stuff, yeah, which I, I really, understand. really hate it. I mean, you're getting things worse. So, go back and talk to the family members. 
family or friends or best friends anyone. or yeah yeah my another question is that should MOH or MOM mm. make it compulsory for supervisors to go through training to handle this kind of mental stress from start their staff because right now I'm seeing a lot of mental health awareness the blah 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 do a hashtag what can you do with a freaking hashtag there's nothing can be done I don't want to know about hashtag I want to know what are you doing training the supervisors that has a lot of staff what are they doing to train them to show some concern for the staff and the signs I'm not sure if supervisors would be the right people to train because firstly they might not even give a fuck Mm -hmm. so no matter even if you train them and they're not receptive to it mm-hmm. it's not going to change how they manage their stuff mm-hmm. of course a general um, awareness about it would be good mm. but I guess if the company can provide like maybe like like there's parental leave right like maybe mental health days like mm. you just need a day off mm. for yourself you just, that would be nice mm. or if I know some companies where they do have counselling services mm-hmm so, yeah, that's great because that's more holistic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When should a creative seek help when they have uh, they feel that they are depressed or having mental health issues? And what kind of help? At, at any point, you can seek help. It doesn't have to reach a certain mm-hmm. level and then you decide to go and seek help because then the problem is snowball, right? Mm-hmm. I think learning simple... Simple coping stuff will help, but of course, depends on the root cause of your problem. Mm-hmm. Like for me, of course, last time finding a good therapist did help. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was more to resolve past issues. So mm-hmm. once you get past that, then I think you have to watch really your mindset and question what are your beliefs and where do you want to be? Mm-hmm. So in that sense, uh, life coaching was more appropriate for me. Mm-hmm. I found that it helped me um, change my mm-hmm. way of thinking, change mm-hmm. certain habits or things that I was telling myself that was totally not helpful. Mm-hmm. Um change the way I manage my emotions Mm -hmm. which I used to think was like that I hated feeling so many things like the emotions were bad Mm. but but why? because I tend to feel in extreme for example like my human designs a lot of emotions coming waves Mm. right Mm -hmm. so I used to not like that Mm. but I guess the more you resist it then that becomes a problem mm-hmm. so like you said uh, don't beat yourself up so now I guess I just don't take it too seriously and I remind myself whether it's a fact or mm-hmm. a story I'm telling myself mm-hmm. or if there's another way to reframe what I'm thinking about mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. that has really been helpful mm-hmm. in moving on and not ruminating too much about mistakes or worrying about the future. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But 
in the creative industry is so stressful. You know? I, yeah, of course. I would believe not everyone will be so like you, like so determined to. I mean, not not determined, but strong enough to handle so much. Or seeking help sometimes also. I th- I think a lot of them are. Still I think a lot right? of people are afraid to ask for help because yeah. of the stigma. Yes. Um. Although it has been slightly better in the past few years after COVID. Mm. But what about you? Do you face any stigma yourself? Um, I guess my mom was a little bit worried that people might have a bad impression of me. Mm-hmm. Although she doesn't think badly of me I mean my of family course. has been very supportive mm. but mm. I think family she is, is a huge factor she is well aware of mm. how yeah. other people might view me and mm. how that might affect me mm. yeah so I think it helps that the more we talk about depression which is actually very common I think at some stage in yeah. life everybody goes through depression yeah, I think it's not even yeah. creative it applies to everybody, yeah, not just creatives. Yeah. Um, no matter what position you're in. Yes. I mean, life is hard, mm. right? Um, yeah, but people tend to think of it as you're weak if you seek help. Mm. But in fact, I think it's the opposite. Mm. That it's brave and it's courageous for you to seek help. Mm. And there's nothing wrong with seeking help. I mean... Like the best athletes in the world, they have coaches, mm. right? Like mentors have mentors. Mm. So what's wrong with um, getting like a therapist or mm. somebody to help you with mm. a problem? Mm. It's just another problem. Like for example, if your toilet's spoiled, you can mm. call a plumber, right? Mm. So I'm gonna call my boss. Hello. Hey, here's the shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So if I have like let's say uh, a mental um, issue that's bogging me down, then yeah, I get the equivalent of a plumber. Mm, correct, correct. To see what's the issue, what's the root cause. Uh, maybe boss on brain next will go mm. away. Well, just so, yeah. So seeking help is actually. I hope it will be normalized. Mm. Um, I know a lot of friends who are teachers, they tell me that uh, a lot of kids are under a lot of stress mm. and there's actually a large need for counsellors. Mm. So, yeah, I hope that um, in the near future, depression becomes something more normalised mm-hmm. and it's like having flu like that. Mm. Like, it's common. There's nothing mm-hmm. wrong with having it. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't define you. Mm-hmm. It's just a symptom. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it doesn't make you who you are. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It doesn't determine your self-worth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think after that, seeking help, it's another stage to evolving to another yeah. person. And I think that because truly the right help, uh, the right person yeah. can change your life. Yeah, and I think that evolving is a very beautiful thing. And yes. It's a beautiful process, which um, is like a butterfly. 
So tell me how you've evolved after your okay. life coaching. My, for me, I'm like a freaking butterfly. At mm. the highest form, it's the most beautiful. I know, like very handsome. Okay, yeah. No, no, no. It's, it's true. It's true. <laughs> I believe that everyone should do it if if you think that you need help. Yeah. And you go for help, and it, it, you look look at yourself. You evolve also. Yeah. Into the highest form. Mm. From a caterpillar, and what's next? Into a butterfly. That's why I call it into the highest form. Mm. But the thing is, a lot of people still um, still misaligned about yeah. it. And they are suffering. And sometimes they get so used to the suffering, they are not connected to the heart anymore. That What does the heart say? It doesn't exist. This kind of question doesn't exist anymore. They just go down there and do the daily grind. Right. And if you are creative, if that gets to you, there's no point in your work at all. Right. Yeah, because I think a lot of work comes out from the heart. Yes. You, if you look at my custom shoes, mm. it's definitely I. I know myself. If like I got no heart, I just not today, man. I'm not gonna touch it because right. because I I cannot do it tonight. Or there's something uninteresting project that I don't want to do. And if I'm forced to do, it's like half fuck already. Yep. It, it's like this podcast. If I want to do, I really will want to do it, and it's like halfway there already. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's always the hard. I mean, if you don't do any self care and self love, I think a lot of things cannot function at all. And by the time it gets to you, I don't know, it becomes depression. Yep. And you start to hate yourself or something like that. Is that what made you start um, the coaching course? Like what no. led you there? Actually, the shoe started from there. The shoe started from there. Yeah. Okay. I, I, life coaching came after uh, me seeing so many stuff and working experience and doing the shoes out of having the fact of that slight depression that I had. So life coaching was a complimentary thing to add on. And was it helpful? It was helpful. Right. Life coaching is something very useful. I think it's a life skill. Right you know what to do and what to say to the person yeah. instead of jumping into the pool and then the pool gets deeper and darker and more toxic so no one gets out of it actually I think these are skills that should be taught in school rather yes. than learning what is an oxbow lick or yes. how to balance my chemistry equation yes. like am I using all those things now I spend years on it mm. but does it actually help Actually, school can be a very toxic place. School? Don't say toxic. I think the teacher sometimes face a lot of toxicity environment. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. I mean, for even for my son, sometimes he face a lot of uh, stress from strangers because he yeah. has speech delay. Yes. He does a little... Okay, he speaks... He processes the thoughts a bit slower. Mm. It's like, you're talking to a Pentium 2. <laughs> he and he does explain to me. Right. He te- he tells me honestly, Daddy, I'm thinking about my what I, my thoughts. Okay. He, he told me before. So I'm th- Daddy, quite aware. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's aware that I'm thinking about my thoughts. That's why I couldn't answer you. Okay. So, but people want to get a reaction out of it from the from the school. Mm. So they're just like, hey, you are a bugger, you know, disturb him, disturb him. Yeah, that's what I mean by school yeah. can be a cruel place. Yeah, the, the school is really cruel. And then um, they'll just start to call me, hey, you should bring him to see a psychologist, make an 
appointment at a polyclinic. But I think that the school can do so much better if they can um, really teach life coaching skills to the teachers. To the teachers and the students. Yeah, I and think. those counselors from uh, MOE. Yeah. Actually, a few counselors that I saw were not particularly helpful. Mm. I think life coaching for me uh, was a lot more helpful than mm-hmm. attending counseling sessions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and then if we don't do this right, you see that there were cases the. Is it last year? What's the school again? The boy bring an axe. Oh, right. Yes. That was a very tragic. Yeah. Case. So, do, do you think that school um, children at the age commit suicide more often nowadays? Well, like in the cases I work with um, in my volunteer role, I do see a lot of mm. school aged kids mm. that are self harming. Mm-hmm. Um, it's actually become very prevalent. It's just that no one talks about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I definitely think that some form of intervention or teaching this sort of skills would go a very long way for the younger generation. Mm-hmm. Where do you suggest people getting help from? Uh, now that is a slightly nuanced topic. Mm-hmm. If you go through the government like IMH, mm-hmm. I think what people are afraid of is that there will be a record. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if the laws have changed on that, but that's why people don't like to seek help because Mm -hmm. they're afraid that it will affect their future. Mm -hmm. And that's why most people, if they can, they go private. Mm -hmm. It depends what kind of help you're seeking. Mm -hmm. Perhaps asking around friends who have seen good counsellors to recommend. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of counselling services out there, I think, now. Um, mm. But whether they are any good or right fit for you is a different thing altogether. Mm-hmm. So when do they seek for life coaching and when do they seek it for therapies? It actually doesn't have to. I mean, I'm a life coach also, but right. I know this episode go already, but I would like to ask you. You can actually go for both at the same time. I think it's not incompatible. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, let's go into what life coaching is not first. Mm-hmm. Um, life coaches are not mental health pathologists. They mm-hmm. do not diagnose you with depression or mm-hmm. prescribe any medication. Mm-hmm. Um, it is not a substitute for therapy mm-hmm. or counselling. I mean, um, while they do have some overlap, life coaches are not licensed healthcare providers. Mm-hmm. And... Um, in general, life coaches are not a long-term solution. They are trying to get you realigned, um, self-coach, be independent, mm. sort of give you the tools you need to live a better life or live the life that you want or mm. be whoever the fuck you're going to be, right? Mm. Um, therapy is more like counselling, psychotherapy. So it tends to be a long-term process. Mm-hmm. where um, you work with a professional to diagnose what is the actual root cause of the problem. Mm-hmm. Um, 
behaviors or if you have relationship issues, I believe mm-hmm. some of them specialize in like marriage counseling, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Or if you have physical symptoms, then obviously you should see more of the healthcare professionals. Mm-hmm. Um, the idea behind therapy has always been to focus on past traumas and, mm-hmm. and issues and how you can change like self-destructive behaviors and your habits. Mm. Uh, working through your painful past feelings. Um, but I think life coaching is more future focused. Mm. Helps you to clarify your goals, help you to see what is your current state, where you're at and how to progress on from there. Mm to um, help you create action plans mm. to achieve the results you want to achieve, whatever those may be. But yeah, that's why I said um, they actually can go together, mm. uh, like therapy and medication, for example. If you pair it together with life coaching, I actually think it can be very powerful and mm. speed up your recovery process i'd say or Mm. healing process Mm. okay i think that's all okay cool thank you for coming donna thanks for having me so thank you everyone for listening to this podcast so i'll see you in two weeks time okay bye bye bye